What's up, everyone? It's your host, Mario Fraioli. I'm excited to bring you the 11th and final installment of Common Ground for 2022. This is a monthly podcast co-hosted by me and Danae Doremi of The Grounded Podcast. In this year-end episode, we talk about our running highlights of the year, podcast highlights of the year, music highlights of the year, and a lot more. Let's get right into it. All right, Danae, here we are with the 11th and final episode of Common Ground for 2022. We are going to do kind of a bit of a, a random show. It's always a random show, but we we have a, a loose outline that we're going to try to follow here today where we'll talk about running highlights of the year personally within the sport, uh, podcasts, our own, and ones that we listen to, um, advice and lessons that we learned this year, experiences that we had, professional highlights, and then, of course, uh, music at the very end. And then we'll take a little look ahead to show, 2023. <laughs> we, I know, we're, we're a music show with it's a, a running problem or something along those lines, um, which is totally fine Totally fine by me. Um, I don't really have anyone else who will indulge me on the music side of things. So um, I enjoy it for that aspect amongst amongst other things. But should we just dive right into it here? Yeah, totally. I feel like I've been, I, every time I get on the mic, I'm like, this is the last time I was here was when we were recording last time. But, um, I know I told you offline, but I was super sick last month. So got COVID, got an additional infection out of COVID or some, some type of follow-up thing. So I've, I've been very out of practice and I feel like I've been itching to like talk to somebody about all the, (laughs) all the things from this year and like running. And I just haven't had a chance to reflect on a lot of things this year. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. We'll go through it all. I'm so glad that you're feeling better. I know it was really rough for you for a couple of weeks there. You were out of work for a while, but you're on the up and up now and hopefully we'll not have any issues from here on out. Yeah, I know. And in the last episode, I was like, I have COVID and it's so mild. Well, just so everyone knows, it did not turn out mild. <laughs> um, unfortunate ending for me, but I'm through it now and I'm like ready for the holidays. I'm on break. So yeah, this is fun. I feel like this will be a good a good way to kick off my winter break and kind of have, go into it in good spirits. So our, um, our first question for each other was really mm-hmm. around a running highlight of the year. So do we want to start with maybe a a personal running highlight. I feel like that's that's a good place to get started. Yeah, let's do that. Um, do you want to tell me about yours first, and then I can sure. Talk about yeah, mine? I feel like I was thinking about this a lot because I've been on a multi-year journey of injuries and ups and downs with running that actually I think reflecting on this highlight made me feel a little better, more optimistic because it's felt to me like I haven't run in years. Like honestly, when I, when I think back, I'm like, I've just been so injured and in and out of it that I almost forget what it feels like to run sometimes. Um, but I forget that I ran a 10 K this year. And I think that was probably my favorite running highlight because it was the furthest distance that I got this year. Um, it was at least, you know, I, I had some walk run distances in my training initially in the marathon buildup that I didn't obviously finish, but I felt like the 10 K that I ran in New York, I ran the mini 10 K. Um, it was, you know, primarily a, an all women's race. I think, I think they have people of all genders running it now, but it felt very focused around like female empowerment. And I loved the themes of the race, obviously got to go there for a little bit of work, but it really was my like personal running highlight. Cause I felt, I felt like I got to really do something, be a part of a race for the first time in a couple years since COVID hit. So 
yeah, I think that was probably my favorite highlight. Reed got to be there and like cheer me on. He saw me a couple times on the course. Everything felt normal there. And I think it was a good reminder that it wasn't that long ago and that um, hopefully by, you know, by next summer, like I'll have a little bit more progress around some of this injury stuff. But yeah, I think that's my personal running highlight. Yeah, I think it's important to have that kind of perspective as well. Because I think back to the last episode that we recorded, um, even the one before that, and you didn't get to run the New York City Marathon, which was yeah. sort of your your big goal for the year. And I remember when we were talking about the mini 10K, like, hey, next time you're back in New York, it's going to be to go 20 miles further and finish New York City yeah. Marathon in, in Central Park. And it wasn't meant to be. But leading up to that, you had one of the most consistent stretches of running that you had had in quite some time. You got to be a part of this huge event like you just described. And I just remember how jazzed you were uh, coming out of that. And I just, uh, I'm glad that you acknowledged it. And I think we should celebrate that here because um, even though the rest of the year wasn't great, that was huge for you. And I really think that's a seed that was planted that, you know, it's just going to take a little bit more time to grow. Yeah. And it was fun. I think that's like when I think back on, I think running has been so stressful for me for a while, Mm -hmm. just in like, it's going to go, I'm going to go out there and it's going to hurt and everything's going to not feel like it used to. And so I think thinking about the 10 K, I remember the experience, it was a little tough, but I felt so like at home, I was kind of familiar with like central park races. It was, it was just such a therapeutic thing to go through Mm -hmm. and be like, Oh, this is actually really fun and going across the finish line. And, um, you know, now that I know so much of the New York Roadrunner staff, like, just having them welcome me there and just feeling like I'm a part of the community and I'm racing and this is this is a great experience so that's kind of keeping me going honestly like the personal running highlight was great to reflect on because I'm like okay we can get back there (laughs) yeah and it's important not to lose sight of that because if if you do then it feels kind of hopeless and you you know you start to spiral um and that's never you know that's never good but you saw like where you could get you know that you can get back there again and then hopefully take it even further beyond yeah, but um, so what about you? What's your what's your personal running highlight? I'm actually really curious. <laughs> I um, a lot. <laughs> I do, but I'll preface it by saying I turned 40 this year in May, mm-hmm. and that was a, a big turning point for me from a competitive standpoint. I got to race in a lot of master's division races after I turned 40. And that was super fun because when you're like 38, 39 and you're racing against like 21, 22, 23 year olds, it's not like super duper fun because they're just faster and younger and can do a lot more. Um, And in turning 40, I felt like for me anyway, the playing field got leveled a bit and I like to race. I like being competitive and I just felt like I could be um, competitive in a way that I hadn't been in mm-hmm. a few years. And that that really energized me. Um, but before I turned 40, in the first, let's call it quarter to, to half of the year, um, I raced on the track again for the first time yeah. in – like 16 years, which was awesome. Uh, This year, if I had to put a theme to it, it was really returning to my roots as a runner. I raced track Mm -hmm. in the spring and I ran cross country in the fall. So I raced track this spring before I turned 40. I was 39 years old. I bought a new pair of spikes. I hadn't put spikes on in like 16 years. So that was exciting. <laughs> like high school, college vibes. <laughs> yeah, no, it, totally high school, college vibes. I remember actually texting you 
when I was driving to one of the meets that I competed in, I was listening to a new Red Hot Chili Peppers album, which we'll talk about later in the show. And it did feel like high school again for me because I remember going to meets in high school listening to new Red Hot Chili Peppers albums. And here I am at like, you know, nearly 40 years old doing the same thing. And it was just as fun, as exciting as it was in years past. But it was awesome to get back on the track this spring. The track is scary. Um, it's it's especially scary when you're close to 40 years old and you're racing against kids who are literally like half your age because I was running in open and college yeah. meets. And I had so much fun spiking up and racing in the 1500 meters. And I achieved my goal for the season, which was to break 410. And it really got me excited to continue pursuing that event over the next few years. I really want to see if I can run a sub four 1500 um, in my 40s, which feels um, challenging but achievable to me. So that was just a good way to get the year off to um, an inspiring start. And it sort of grew from there. So after track season, I laid low over the summer as I, I typically do. But mm -hmm. I did join a local team, the West Valley Track Club, which has a very strong master's team. And I started training and racing with those guys in the late summer into fall. We ran a fairly full cross-country season culminating in nationals just a couple weeks ago where we finished second as a team. And that was the first time that I really felt part of a unit since college, really. Um, I love that, I've been yeah. on other teams since then, but this was this was awesome. I mean, and what made it interesting is everyone's 40 plus, so we're at that point of our lives where most everyone is pretty well into their career at that point. A lot of people have families and running is something that we still take seriously and have fun with, but maybe not as much as we did when we were in our 20s, which is a very healthy thing. But when it was time to race, everyone was like, yeah, let's let's race and let's try and do well as a team. Yeah. And we ended up finishing second at Nationals a couple of weeks ago, which was a little disappointing. We really thought we could win on our, our home course and we did what we could. We were just beat by a better team that day, but it got us hungry for next year. And it just, again, had like those kind of like college vibes. It felt good to be a part of something bigger than myself and have a team of guys who were all in on this goal and supportive of one another and like, you know, equally as bummed when we we didn't win, but just as excited to kind of go after it again next year. So my my personal running highlight of the year was just getting back to my roots. I didn't run any longer races this year, half marathons mm -hmm. or or marathons. I, I am going to do some next year, but it Ooh, felt exciting, good yeah. to just get back to my roots and, and, you know, racing track and cross country in my forties is something that, you know, that excites me. And I'm, I'm just like curious more than anything else to see what I can do over the, the next decade. So for me, that was my personal running highlight of the year. I love that. I feel like a, that's just really badass and inspiring because I think I feel like in a lot of ways, I'm always worried, like, am I losing some of my best years of running just being injured right now? And I think it's been helpful to see like my dad run his entire mm -hmm. life and have, I think a lot of people around me and like role models that I look to people who kind of maintain running in their life in many different forms. And so it's kind of especially inspiring that you're returning back to something that you never thought you might return back to. Um, definitely something I'm not sure I would ever return back to. Like I also ran track and cross country in high school, but um, just trying to keep 
like my head up about, about running. I think a lot of those reflections have been really important to me. And then also, um, the other thing I thought of was how much I think I want to join a running group. Like also hearing you talk about that and hearing Mm -hmm. some other people over the years, I've never been a running group person, but the more that, um, which is not because I don't like being around people. I think I'm a very social person, but running has always been such a solitary activity for me. And I think I've realized my family has been my running group for so long, but no shade to my dad. That man is retired, so he can run at any time of day now. And like, I'm not on the same schedule as him. Whereas, you know, back uh, before when he was working, I do feel like I would like go for a run with my dad or my sister. Or, right, like, right. We would all go at the same time. And it was a little bit more in sync. But my sister's off at college. My dad's like on his own, you know, retired free schedule. Um, and I think I just realized like I need some... I need some support, like a crew yeah. that will like help motivate me to um, even get through some of like this injury rehab stuff and get back to running. Cause it's so hard to go back to it by yourself. So I think hearing about you joining a team too, and like the benefits around what it's like to be a part of a team again and to be a part of a common goal. Like I think I need a little bit of that spirit in running right now. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's like, it's really nice to hear. Yeah. I highly encourage you and anyone listening to this to, do that if you've been thinking about it or or haven't because regardless of what age you are I think it will change your relationship with running for the better. I mean that was the best decision that I made all year was joining the West Valley Track Club back in January. Um and I didn't even train with them every week. I mean, we'd meet for some long runs on the weekends. Occasionally, you know, we would meet up for some workouts as well and we'd always race together especially when we got into the the cross country season which has a as you know, like a, a very like strong team element to it. Um, but like over the past 12 months, like I just got closer and closer to these guys. Like we are all on this like, like ongoing WhatsApp thread, um, which is, <laughs> which is super fun. Um, and they've just helped bring like a new level of enjoyment to my running that I didn't even mm-hmm. realize that I was missing. And I, I wrote this in my newsletter a week ago, but it's like being on a college team again or a high school team. Um, But instead of like running out of eligibility four years from now, I can stick around for like the next 40 years if I so choose. Um, And it's just, it's just like really a beautiful thing. And I'm super grateful to, um, to be a part of it. So, I mean, if, if you've haven't been on a team in a long time or ever, um, and you're just searching for some new motivation, accountability, whatever it is, um, seek out running teams and groups in your area because I, I think it does just enhance the overall experience. And I, yeah, I, again, like best decision I made all year, hands down. That's awesome. Well, thank you for that reflection. I feel like I'm going to at least go for a walk or something today. Like I have to keep, I have to keep trucking along Mario. (laughs) It's hard out here in the winter. It's like freezing in Albuquerque right now, like below zero. I'm like, I can't run. I have to get all of my running stuff out somewhere. So at least the show helps. (laughs) There you go. Staying on this topic within the sport from afar or whether you were on the ground at an event, what was the running performance of the year for you that you witnessed or admired? Okay. So I thought about this for a while and I, I was really trying hard, genuinely, like there's so many great things that happened this year, especially with the world championships. Cause that's where like my Mm -hmm. brain kept going to, um, but I could not get out of my head. So it's not like traditionally running, but I consider it a part of the sport, which I think most people will. But um, Janae Cas- uh, Cassana Void 
meddling in the hammer throw at the world championships because she's the first native woman to ever receive a medal at the world championships at all. Uh, I think that was just so significant to me and I had been really following her journey. And so I feel like so many people in Indian country were sharing that. And so many of like my friends and peers were sharing that it was such a big moment for me that I couldn't get it out of my head as like a top moment. So even though it's maybe like a, a less running focus answer, but within the sport, I think that was a really important thing for me that we recapped on the show too. So um, it's just something I wanted to sort of bring back up because I love her and I've loved watching her journey too, as she's gotten more sponsorships and a little bit more, um, I think just, I think a lot more, people are talking about her now. And so mm -hmm. I've watched her social media following grow and just um, watch her get the credit I think that she she deserves. And it's fun to watch a Native athlete fly because she's done a lot of events with like Native organizations. And um, she's I believe she's Comanche. And so I'm um, just watching her like be, you know, a community member as well within like her tribe. It's pretty cool just to set that example and see myself in her just both even in her like in her body type and like in being able to relate to like you know, that's, that's like the athlete that I felt like I was mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And so, um, I just loved watching her, watching her grow and yeah, her spirit is great too. So that was probably my favorite moment of the year in the sport, but there was a, so many highlights I could think of as well. And, um, I just couldn't get that one out of my head. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's an awesome one. And there were so many highlights and I had an impossible time trying to narrow it down because I mean, Kicking off the year, and this is certainly American bias showing through, Kira D'Amato breaks the American record in yes. <laughs> Houston. Then later in the year, it gets broken by Emily Sisson. I mean, that's just a crazy year for um, American women's marathoning. And marathoning. in between, I mean, you had you know the world championships where Sarah Hall um, – Kira D'Amato and Emma Bates all finished in the top 10, and they all ran pretty fast. They were all like 224 faster in Eugene at the World Championships. I think it was like Sarah was fifth, Emma was seventh, and Kira, who like started training for the race like two or three weeks before, yeah. was, uh, <laughs> was, was eighth. Um, so, you know, as far as like American marathoning goes, it was just like – the the year of the ladies. I mean, it was like yeah. Kira, it was Emily Sisson, and then um, Sarah, Kira, and Emma Bates at, at the World Championships. Um, zooming out from that, I mean, anytime there's a world record, which there was, I mean, you have to call that out. So Elliot Kipchoge, greatest of all time, uh, takes 30 seconds off his already impossibly yep. fast <laughs> world record at the Berlin Marathon, you know, ear-to-ear -ear smile crossing the, the finish line. I mean, that will never get old for me. Um, watching that so i mean that was a you know that was a huge highlight i met as him this well. year that'll be my other highlight <laughs> yeah I, I mean at That's, the finish yeah. line of the new at the of the new york city marathon which is actually ironically enough where i met him uh a few years ago as well oh, different so set cool. of circumstances yeah. but i mean he tends to hang out there so you want to meet elliot in america just hang out <laughs> at the, new, at the city new york marathon city marathon finish line good chance he'll be there sometime in november whether he's racing or not um so for me i think those were those were the biggest ones i'm going to go yeah. with um kipchoge's world record and then just um blanket uh, highlight of a great year for American female marathoning. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that was a, another huge highlight for me. I feel like it was a fun year to watch in the marathon. Um. Okay. Let's see. What did we have next? Let me, sorry, my phone keeps closing out of this. Uh, okay. 
So let's see. Next, we wanted to highlight maybe some podcast stuff this year. And this could be between our own podcast or other podcasts we've listened to. I don't think we really super clarified this one, but I know both of us wanted to highlight maybe a podcast episode of the year. So I think we can leave it open. Maybe if you brought two different ones, one that you've produced and then one that you've listened Mm -hmm. to or um, whatever it may be, if you want to go first. I did. I'm happy to go first. I mean, well, we we have this show and we each have our own podcast, so I think we do need to talk about um, our own respective personal highlights. For me, this this is a super easy one. Um, I interviewed Tommy Rives right after the Boston Marathon, the, the day after, in his hotel room. It's only the second podcast that he's done since um, he got really sick in 2020 with a rare form of lymphoma. And I was just honored to have had the opportunity. Uh, We sat down for over two hours together and it was just like a a deep, raw, emotional conversation the day after the Boston Marathon, which, um, you know, at one point of his career, he finished in two hours and 18 minutes. And here he was, I think, I think he was six and a half hours at Boston, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but you know, his, his health is in a much different Mm -hmm. place than it was when he was at the peak of his career. He's got a lot of scarring on his, on his lungs. But I mean, just the fact that, I mean, here's a guy who like almost literally came back from the dead. I mean, he was a, I mean, he was a, a skeleton at his lowest moment. He, you know, was in a coma for a long time, like going through chemo, the whole thing. I think he was down to like 97 pounds as a guy who is like a, a fairly muscular, like six one in normal circumstances. And, uh, and, and he came back and, you know, he is cancer free right now, but he says he trains because he wants to be ready if, and when it, it does come back. And he just has, I think, aside from from this incredible story um even before he got sick and now it's just taken it to a new level i mean inspiring is a cliche that gets just like thrown around especially in this in this world of uh people posting on on social media but i really find tommy to be a genuinely inspiring person just the way that he carries himself that he lives his life that he interacts with people um the love that he shows those who he cares about the example that he sets, um, you know, his his work ethic. Like, here's a guy who who is is literally training for life every day. I mean, he's he's getting out every day because his life literally depends on it. And um, that's a conversation that um, will will forever be not just like a, a professional podcast highlight for me. That's like a life highlight for me. Just to have had, you know, had that opportunity. He's he's a very private person. Um, and he, he hasn't done a ton of media and I just, I just feel really honored to have had that opportunity, um, especially the day after Boston, especially in, in person. And it's, it's not, um, an experience that I'll soon forget. Yeah. I think that's very much the beauty of podcasting for me because I think about podcasting as something that collects like oral histories and being able to Mm -hmm. um, kind of capture a moment in time in a really unique format, like in a conversational format that isn't necessarily like a, you know, a visual interview or other, other ways that it could be put. I just think there's something so raw and conversational about podcasting. It's just like two people talking a lot of times. And, um, for me as a native person, like that's something I care a lot about is capturing like moments in history because those are just moments happening in our life. Um, so I think that's, that's a really beautiful 
like story and sentiment to share. Yeah, and, but, and the last thing I'll say about that experience was doing it in in person, like sitting in the room with him across from one another and hearing him just recount these stories that he, I'm sure, had processed in his mind but hadn't really vocalized to that point and watching his his body language. I mean, there were times, and you can tell just listening to it, where his voice got shaky and he was, mm-hmm. you know, just trembling, remembering some of these experiences. Like, I'll, I'll never forget that, um, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I really am just incredibly grateful to have had like that that opportunity um and to have connected with him in in that way because he he is someone that I genuinely find inspiring and that I look to like for inspiration when I'm in a down moment so um hands down that was that was my uh podcast highlight of the year for me personally That's awesome and did you have a podcast this year that maybe you also enjoyed that you were not a part of making or on or hosting? Yeah, I, I had a I had a few. Like, the what one do that you I listen keep, to, Mario? I mean, I listen to, <laughs> I listen to a lot. People always ask us that as podcasters. And I'm yeah, like, ah, I, I, I listen to a lot of different things. I mean, I'll, I'll pull out my podcast player right now and just like share some of the um, podcasts that I am, uh, I am subscribed to. If you'll, if you'll just give me a, a moment here. Um, Ah, here we go. I'm going down my list. Uh, Alley on the Run Show, uh, Sidious Mag Podcast with Chris Chavez, The Daily Stoic, Design Matters with Debbie Millman, uh, Dithering, mm. which is a geeky tech podcast, um, Grounded with Danae Dormy, The Growth Equation Podcast, uh, How They Train, which is pretty self-explanatory, mostly about triathlon, but geeky coaching podcast, Huberman Lab, <laughs> um, Legacy of Speed, which was a series that Tracksmith and Puma had put out um, – that has since commenced long form, uh, on being with Krista Tippett, the psychology podcast, the rich role podcast, song exploder, uh, supporting champions, the talk show with John Gruber. Um, (laughs) this is is geeky. Uh, (laughs) recode media, uh, the gray area, Ted radio hour, finding mastery. Um, and the Billy Yang podcast that covers all of them. Um, and then, you know, people send me like, random episodes of shows that I'm not subscribed to or I'll come across them in in some way. Um, But the episode that I keep coming back to and first one that popped up into my head was an episode of the Rich Roll podcast. It was back in summertime Mm -hmm. and it was with someone I'd never heard of before, not a recognizable name. Um, And the guy's name is Mike Fremont. And he he's a hundred years old and he um, is just a super interesting guy. And he's like a retired engineer, um, climate activist, but also a lifelong athlete who's still running at a hundred years old and used to run this like 10 mile loop five times a week. And he's, you know, he was asked, Oh, do you still do that now? He's like, he's like, no, I'm too old. I just do five miles, <laughs> like five times a week. And he's like a hundred years old and he still does races. He like does running races. He does like canoe races. Um, he's sharp as a tack. I mean, he was just fully engaged in the conversation. And I mean, I, uh, the truth is we're all getting older, but it's something that I'm thinking about a lot more at, at mm-hmm. this point of my life. I um, was super close with my grandparents. My Nana lived till you know, 92 years old. I learned so much from them. 
um, I have so much respect for my my elders, and I've never met this guy, but just hearing him in in conversation and how he has gone about constructing his life and how he's kept himself healthy and active and engaged is just really remarkable to me. And yeah. and I think um, instructive in terms of like what's really important. You know, he pays attention to his diet. He has great relationships. He, you know, he, he's a, a, a climate activist. That's something that he's very like, you know, passionate about. So he still has things that he's passionate about, you know, at, at 100 years old. He's, you know, on committees and, and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, man, that's like, that's what it's all about, you know? And, and as you know, as I age, I hope that I can, you know, achieve half of that stuff, you know, and I I think if I'm able to do that, you know, I, I too can live, you know, hopefully a long and, um, just prosperous life. So I just, I found that one just to be, to, to be super interesting. Um, and it just kind of caught me off guard because it wasn't one that I was, I was seeking out. And I don't know if it was the, the short clip that caught my interest, but I'm glad I listened to the whole thing and I listened to it again and took notes and, um, that's the one I keep coming back to. I love that. And it, it reminds me too, I think about this stuff a lot too, because my great grandmother is, gosh, I think she's 102 now, right now. Um, and I've watched several members of my family live, uh, past a hundred. And I think it's just been incredible to watch these like Navajo women on my mom's side of the family really thrive and be able to continue to take care of, you know, their, not just themselves, but also mm-hmm. like their livestock or their animals or our land and, you know, like our home, like sort of home site area. And so, um, I think that's just something I've also learned a lot from. And, and even though we actually, we have a language barrier cause she only speaks Navajo, um, it's really cool every time I get to talk to her because it's like I'm translating usually through my mom or my grandma, but just to kind of under, better understand the the life that she lives and the life that I live. Like I actually, the last time she visited our house, um, they were talking about my podcast. So I had to listen to my mom, grandma, and one of my aunts explain to my great grandma on Navajo, like what a podcast was and like how it works, um, which is similar to radio. And she does listen to the radio often and like really loves her radio. So it was just cool to be able to like show her the graphic on the phone and have her understand that like I have conversations with people. And so we played it out loud for her for a while. And so to like share I think that moment and understand that there's just, there's a real big difference in terms of like time and um, in terms of what we've experienced in our life. Yeah. But I think we still connect over like talking and this is exactly what I was talking about, like language and um, podcasting and like conversations yeah. and oral traditions. So um, it was just a cool connection point. And I think about that often, like how did she, um, how is she like living her life like this? Still, still so full um, of life and able to laugh and able to have passions um, and things like that. It's very inspiring. Oh, that's, also, that's sorry, amazing. My dogs are barking. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, how about for you? What, were your podcast highlights of the year, both for your show and maybe something that you listen to? Yeah. So for my show, I was actually really excited to share this because I will say I haven't podcasted as much this year. As you know, I've been kind of taking a step back and trying to like reimagine how I'm able to do this work and also be able to have a job, like a day job on top of it and things like that. But it feels like it was a lifetime ago. But in February, I interviewed Mr. Craig Curley, who we both know, and Mm -hmm. he ended up being the most listened to episode of my show this year, Um, did very well in numbers. And I think 
it's because so many people were, so many Native people especially have mentioned that episode to me. I've had people either share that episode back with me or email me about it um, the most. And I just think his story, as you and I know um, both, and he's probably going to listen to this. So this is kind of a nice little announcement to Craig too, that he was the most listened to episode and that his, his voice is so important in the sport. And I think hearing his story and um, connecting with him as, as a you know, fellow Navajo runner and understanding kind of um, the, the ways like our families are similar and different and our traditions, um, you know, things like that. It was just so fun to finally meet him in person this year as well. So I think that was like a double connection I was able to make after interviewing him. He had the opportunity to meet my family in Boulder, um, you know, during the Boulder Boulder. And so I thought it was just like a perfect episode to highlight for this because I think Craig is exactly the type of athlete that I set out to interview when I started Grounded Pod. And um, his episode has been, I think, so successful because like those are the stories that I'm excited to share. I think those are the stories that my audience particularly is excited to hear. Um, and it was just such a great, I think, professional moment for me as well to be able to capture um, Craig's story in, you know, in a podcast form. And it continues to get shared a lot and people continue to give me feedback on that. And I'm excited for his kind of um, his kind of second wind and running here. And I know he's he's still he's still running. He's still grinding. I follow him on social media and um, we do talk from time to time uh, in so I'm just, yeah, I'm really excited to kind of share that that was my, that was both my most listened to episode and probably my favorite episode to record and put out this year. So uh, it's just like a nice, a nice one to highlight. <laughs> oh, that makes me so happy. And uh, Craig probably is listening to this and I'm sure that this is making him super uncomfortable because he is <laughs> <I know. laughs> very shy and modest and does not seek out attention. But I've told him this, um, you just highlighted it as well, but him sharing his story on platforms like yours makes such an impact in the not just Navajo but native community and i've seen him out on the road and i know he does a lot of zoom talks and has just really um made himself accessible to to mm-hmm. the the community and he doesn't try to be anyone other than himself. It's just, it's just who he is. Um, and he really just like, you know, sets, sets the example through his actions. And, um, I know that a lot of people find it inspiring and, um, you know, I've gotten really close with Craig over the last few years since I had him on my podcast. Um, I started coaching him and, you know, we still have that relationship today, Mm -hmm. but he's, you know, become like a, a little brother to to me. He's not that much younger than me, only like five years or so. Um, but you know, he's just he's just someone though. Even though he's younger than me, I look up to him just uh, for the way that he carries himself and the way that he lives his life and how hard he works um, and how much he cares about other people and the pride that he has for for who he is and and where he's he's from. And um, you know, he it emanates from him, and it doesn't you know he doesn't. He doesn't force it. He doesn't have to try that hard. Um, so I love hearing that that was, you know, your uh, your favorite, but also most listened to episode of the year. 
Yeah, and I think the coolest part too is, you know, something I maybe didn't fully expect is when I started the podcast, I really didn't know who was going to listen to it. I think I had a hunch, obviously, I'd have um, some native folks in my audience, but I think something that has happened is I've had a lot of young athletes um, listen to the show. I know mm-hmm. for sure, like high school, native high school and college athletes um, who run cross country or run track or are interested in the sport um, reach out to me or I'll meet them in person, like at a meet in Albuquerque or something like that. And I think there's so many young people actually listening to the show that stories like Craig, like it's so important to share because they're seeing themselves in that journey and they're seeing themselves in our conversation from a native person to another native person. And I think that's when those, that's, that's when those moments are really important. And it's like, I love talking to people who are, who are different from me and unlike me, but I also really love capturing those conversations with people whose experience can reflect um, my own back to me too. And I I think that's what's happening with those younger athletes who will reach out to me about about stories like you know Craig's and so it's just yeah that's definitely like a very rewarding episode for me as well and um and I know like my mom loves that episode you know it's just fun to hear other Navajo athletes talk and be able to speak to your experience you know she grew up on the reservation as well and so um it was fun to meet Craig and have and have him and my mom like relate over a lot of things and and chat with our family so yeah that was a feel-good moment for me um and then on top of that I actually have cut back a lot on listening to podcasts this year. I think I've been just trying to reset my brain. And sometimes I know I've talked to you about this. Like I feel pressure to think about my own podcast's work when I'm even listening to podcasts. So I've been mm-hmm. listening to more like audiobooks and, you know, music and things like that. Um, but I have one podcast that it's, it's, I'm not, I'm not going to focus on any running related ones. Cause I do kind of try to keep up with several running podcasts, um, all friends and colleagues and some people I even don't know in running, but for one that is not running related that I really love, I don't know if you've ever listened to it or heard of it, but I love the podcast maintenance phase. And it's hosted by Aubrey huh. Gordon and Michael Hobbs. And I think it's probably a pretty popular podcast just generally on the podcast charts. But um, it's still it's still got kind of an underground following in a way. Um, and basically what they do is they debunk uh, fad diets, things happening in wellness, things happening in um, huh. the industry. And so Aubrey Gordon is an amazing journalist and author, and she writes a lot about fatness and anti-fat bias and um, just does a lot of work and activism around these areas. And so her and Michael Hobbs together will debunk things like the president's physical fitness test and the food pyramid. And I just love thinking about like health and wellness in different ways. And I feel like so much of my life, I was kind of made to feel like my body type didn't belong in sport Mm -hmm. and like, you know, I just didn't fit a certain mold of it. And I'm really lucky that I had my dad and my mom who never really subscribed to that or put a lot of pressure on me around those types of things. But I still felt like that pressure generally from, you know, a lot of people and peers and even coaches to an extent um, over the years. And so I feel like listening to the show helps me even debunk like certain things that have been said to me or certain things I've experienced. They also just do super interesting deep dives into certain like fad diets everyone's heard of, right? Like the Atkins diet, or they'll talk about Dr. Oz, or they'll talk about the biggest loser. And so there's episodes on all of these things and they're just both such... um, analytical and amazing researchers. They're both journalists and it's literally my favorite podcast. (laughs) 
honest. Oh. I wasn't. I never miss it. And so I and I'm pretty backed away on podcasts in general. But that's one that I will always turn on every week, and it kind of keeps me motivated. Like, okay, this is. This is like something that keeps me going in podcasting, but also personally just as inspiration, but definitely recommend it for anyone out there who's interested in topics around health and wellness and, and wants to know more about how, how I think a lot of like, you know, anti-fat bias, like really impacts pop culture and how we, how we view sport and how we view, um, ourselves and our bodies and women's bodies particularly. And so I just, yeah, can't, can't recommend it enough. (laughs) I will add that one to the queue. I've never listened to it, but it sounds right up my alley. And, and for the record, for all of those podcasts that I'm subscribed to that I listed off earlier, uh, my own podcast listening has you know, gone completely yeah. down the drain <laughs> for the most part uh, this year. I definitely have not listened to all of those. I, I certainly pick and choose um, my episodes or when things come my way. But along lines of what you just described with maintenance phase um, – I do have this podcast called Supporting Champions that I just discovered, and mm-hmm. there was it, this was one episode. It's not the theme of the whole podcast, uh, and the podcast is a, is mostly around like sports science um, and just like high performance related things. But the host uh, Steve Ingham had on um, the sports scientist named Nick Tiller, and basically Nick is a uh, he's he's a skeptic, and then he goes to try and debunk a lot of these things that people equate with performance. And in this this recent episode, which just came out like within the last week, uh, but I couldn't stop listening to it. So that's why I know I'm going to love this maintenance phase podcast. He, <laughs> he went and like debunked, um, you know, cupping, uh, ice baths, mm, interesting, um, yeah. all of these like supplements that people are, yeah. you know, the hawking fads, yeah. left and right. Yeah. Like all, all of these fads. And he's like, he's like, you know, these, he's like these things, um, that are pervasive in pop culture. And he's like, just basically like get the shit marketed out of them. He's like, are not based in science. They don't actually yeah. work. Um, and it drives him absolutely crazy as a scientist. Um, so he wrote a whole book on, you know, on this, um, which I'm going to pick up and definitely read, but I, I will tune into maintenance phase podcast. Cause that very similar a, vibes. Yeah. Yeah. As and a Aubrey theme Gordon is coming out with a book this coming yeah. year. So, um, very, very much similar vibes. I think you would yeah. probably enjoy it. They're very quippy. Yeah, they're th- very funny. Like, yeah, as a theme that's right up my alley. So, uh, thanks for recommending that. I will def- definitely check it out. Yeah. Um, all right. What else? What else do we have on our on our little list here? Let's see. Favorite piece of advice or lesson that you learned this year? I'm going to throw that one to you first because I think you I think you might have added that one to the list. Yeah, I think this one for me, um, you know, it kind of it, it does relate to running actually, and I think it's because this year. I don't know. I've had I've had a I've had a great time turning thirty. It's been awesome, but I think my own health has really like hit me in the face, um, just in a number of ways, like uh, through my injury and just through feeling like okay, I can't like I need to get more sleep. Like I I used to be able to live on like all nighters, you know, if I needed to do work or like just different things where I wouldn't take care mm-hmm. of myself um, because I just didn't feel like I had to. And I think this past year has really been a lesson of like don't. It sounds so simple, but just like, don't wait to go to the doctor. Um, and I think that was something that, 
was really important to me this year and I think was a big reason why maybe I was not healing my injury fast enough or was continuing to deal with chronic pain was I was I've never been um, adverse to going to the doctor I can't say I'm like somebody who's super stubborn about it but I think when you're somebody who deals with a lot of chronic pain especially or maybe you you know have a chronic illness um, I can't speak to that experience the same way but in terms of chronic pain like you'll start diagnosing yourself and you'll start um, really not I think taking care of little things here and there that might happen to you, especially for me as a runner. Like I think I would ignore small pains. Like I think there was a lot of signs that something was going to go wrong later this year. If I tried to run a marathon early on that I probably ignored just out Mm -hmm. of trying to, um, you know, keep going. And I think it's been especially hard for me to get myself to a doctor and accept some of the injuries that are happening to me since I started the podcast because I felt a little bit more pressure to like continue running and share my running progress and post on Strava. And so I'm like totally human and that's just a difficult thing to have to adjust to. And so I think this year I learned like a very hard lesson, but I realized that every time I took myself to the doctor or um, a specialist or got like further advice on something, it was really necessary. Um, even down to getting sick after COVID, you know, it's like stuff that I think I would have normally been like, Oh, I just got to tough it out. And it's like, really, no, you need antibiotics. Like, (laughs) so, you know, just not taking like those shortcuts and taking my health really seriously and understanding, like not taking my body for granted and, and understanding that if I am going to continue to be an athlete and pursue running, like I need to take those things more seriously. And I feel like I, have learned that lesson, changed the way I do things this year, um, have gotten a hold on just my my health and like my organization around it and um, understanding like what I can do better around that. So that was why I added that to the list because I just feel like that's such an important reflection for me personally this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you did. And I think that's an important lesson for everyone listening to this. I mean, there really is nothing more important than your own physical and mental health. Because if you don't have those things, everything else is going to suffer. Your relationships are going to suffer. Your like athletic performance is going to suffer. Your ability to recover from injuries and illness is going to suffer. Um, everything. I mean, everything is, is going to suffer. And I think it's it's okay and, and necessary for all of us to be selfish in that way, to do what we need to do to take care of our of our, of our bodies, you know, and, and that's, you know, in terms of like sleep, exercise, nutrition, um, mental health relationships, you know, all that, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, so I'm glad that you highlighted that. And, and I'm going to just use that as a, a segue into my biggest lesson for the year, um, which mm-hmm. is something that I, I shared in uh, this morning's newsletter, which is episode uh, 371. I didn't put it in exactly these words, but my lesson is if something is not serving you anymore, you can walk away from it. And mm-hmm. that's okay. I think a lot of us um, stay in something, whether it's a job, a relationship, some kind of situation, uh, even if we know it's not serving us anymore, because like you were saying in your experience, like, I just need to tough it out. You know, I'll just like tough it yeah. out. Um, and, and sometimes, sometimes you do. Um, sometimes you do need to like just stay in something for a little while. It's going to suck and, and you tough it Before out. Before you, you also reap need the to, rewards, right? Yeah. yeah, you reap the rewards. But you also have to know when something's just not serving you anymore and you need to walk away from it, maybe forever, maybe for a short period of time. Can I, can I just say, I will let you finish, but I think um, 
as runners, that's a really hard distinction to make because it, we Incredibly are... Incredibly hard. We are like instilled with the belief that if you keep going and keep going and keep going, there's a reward at the end. And I think that makes it really hard to walk away from things. Yeah, it, it's incredibly hard. And I mean, I've learned this lesson before in my life. This is a, a different situation yeah. that I've had to learn it again. And, and as it relates to running, I mean, just to tell a little story, years ago... I was not taking care of my physical and mental health, and I was suffering through disordered eating, and I paid the consequences. My body literally broke on me three times, and it was like stress fracture in my sacrum, another stress fracture in my sacrum, and then one on mm -hmm. my pubic symphysis, which I've shared this before. The orthopedist told me, uh, you're a healthy 25-year-old man. This is something that I see in elderly women and birthing mothers. Um, mm. and, and it was just a wake-up call for me because I would try to – cross train my way through it so I could get back to running quicker and right. you know running wasn't serving me at that time and and when I had that third injury that was the wake up call I needed I didn't run for 9 months I mean obviously as we've talked about in this episode and uh, people who follow my work know like running's a huge part of my life I take it very seriously I train very hard but there was a period in my mid 20s when I didn't do it for 9 months I didn't exercise at all for 9 months um because yeah. it wasn't serving me at, at that time. And I learned that lesson then. And, and where I'm relearning that lesson now, ironically enough, is in the podcasting space. Right. Because mm -hmm. I have been doing the Morning Shakeout podcast, which is a long-form interview-style show that comes out weekly for five years now. And if I'm being honest, I've been burnt out on it for months. It's been really yeah. hard for me the second half of this year to put the time, effort, and energy that is necessary for it to be at the level that I, I want it at. And it's been a struggle to get something out every week. And uh, I've done a lot of rerun episodes because I just have not been able to bring myself to mm -hmm. prioritize the time to research, uh, schedule, record, and edit, and publish new episodes. Um, I've just been fried on it. And it took me a while to accept that and be like, you know what, this is not serving you right now. I still love podcasts. I love the medium. I love having conversations like the one I described earlier with, with Tommy Rives. But for you know, whatever reason, it's not serving me right now and I need to step away from it. Will I step away from it forever? I don't think so. Um, but I'm going to give myself at least three months and see like what that space does for me. I can reevaluate my relationship with it. Um, I could think about ways to kind of come back to it so that it is serving me, you know, in a, in a better way. It is something that I'm excited about. I'm doing it in a way that, you know, that feels sustainable. Um, so, it was a huge relief for me to write that in my newsletter this morning yeah. um, and just admit that I'm publicly sure. for the first time. But the lesson there was if something is not serving you, it's okay to walk away from it. Um, because, I mean, I was like, what about my listeners? What about my sponsors? What about my income? Uh, like all of, you know, all of those things. And I was like, those things don't matter if it's not if it's not like lighting your fire, if it's not serving you right now, like yeah. then it's just going to, it's only going to get worse. It's not going to get better in, in this situation. You need to step away from it for a while. So um, that's my, my lesson slash reminder for, for this year. If something's not serving you, um, it's okay to walk away from it. I love that. And super related, I feel like to my sentiment as well. And something that I think it's, I commend you because I I've known, you know, you told me that a while ago and I've been thinking about that a lot because 
it's you setting a healthy example for people like me who have not been around that long in podcasting, just a couple of years. And when I started in 2020, this process hit me in the face because the, the mm-hmm. amount of hours that people I think may, may or may not realize goes into researching, producing, and in my case, like also the editing. It's um, a lot. And all of the putting out the episode and the social media and the graphics, it's like all so much. And so every little thing kind of has a domino effect. And I've had to take a step back from podcasting too, and um, have felt like pretty bad about it. Just being like, okay. And, you know, knowing that you were like, it doesn't matter. Sometimes you just have to help yourself. It's like, you know, it is your income and there is a lot tied to it. And that makes it even harder to walk away from it and take care of yourself. So to prioritize yourself in front of that and make sure that you have other, you know, ways to pick that up and making plans for it, I think is really, um, it's really like an act of self-care and it's, it's really hard to do. And it's something that is important to show other people because I definitely felt like, man, maybe everyone is just really capable of moving at this fast pace all the time and podcasting and I just, on you know, I can't do it. And so yeah. um, that's why I think I've really appreciated having you as like a mentor and sharing that side of your experience podcasting and watching you kind of take a healthy break is really just like important to me. And so I'm really happy for you. And I'm glad that that's something that you've come to um, publicly like be open about and stuff. And I, I hope you also enjoy the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Not to go... Um, off on too much of a tangent, but I feel like in this creative space that we occupy, whether you're doing a podcast, newsletter, even just social media, blog, articles, I mean, we we live in a time where content is is not just king, it's constant. Um, yeah. And and for me to to engage in a deep, meaningful conversation on a, a weekly basis and give that the space that it just like I can't do that weekly. Um yeah. I, I mean I don't say this to to complain. It's just the truth. Like when like that conversation I had with Tommy Ribs, um, which was in person, that took a lot out of me. Um just yeah. like emotionally to pour myself into that conversation and to be engaged like that for like um Sometimes you know, two it's like plus, two or three two hours. Pl- yeah. Yeah. Two plus hours. And then, you know, relive some of it. And like I, I myself, maybe others can definitely do this. And if you can more power to you, but like I had to accept, like, I can't do that on a weekly basis, especially with everything else that I'm doing. Cause it's not the only thing that I've got, um, that I've got going on. But I, I, I see this, I've talked about this with other podcasters, writers, um, people who put stuff out into the world on, on a regular basis, um, it's not talked about enough. Uh, a lot of people yeah. are feeling crushed by it and are trying to like keep up with the Joneses, but also just to like try to keep up with the the pace at which a lot of this stuff comes out. I mean, it, it really is like unsustainable, and that's why I think there is a high rate of um, burnout amongst the you know, amongst the creative class of, of people, no matter like what you're doing, whether it's in running or, or not, like this is, you know, this is problematic. And I know for me, like I want to enjoy what I'm doing. I also want it to feel sustainable. And so for yeah. me, like, you know, podcasting got to a point recently where it wasn't sustainable at, at that cadence. And I, I didn't want to accept that at first. I tried to push through it and I realized like, no, that's only making the problem a lot worse. And and that's where like, I had to tell myself like, it's okay to, to step away if this isn't serving you anymore. And, and honestly, like when you're putting something out every week, you never have the space to really sit back and, 
and well, I was going to say you it. go through the second wave as well of yeah. dealing. Like you don't just have the yeah. two to three hour conversation. You've also got to re-listen to it at least once. Yep. You know, after you go through edits and all of that, and then also you go through putting it out into the world and like letting it go and realizing that other people are going to process it, and then you're going to receive all the feedback from it. Yeah. So it's just such at the forefront of your life. But and um, and by that point, yeah. you're already on to the next one. If you have yeah, a you're weekly already show. like having another conversation. So yeah. <laughs> which which I've always felt this weird sense of of guilt about. Um, um, so now it's like I'm telling myself I'm taking at least three months uh, at the beginning of 2023 where I won't put out any new episodes of the Morning Shakeout podcast. And this will be the first time in five years that I've really had a, a big chunk of space to just like give it some thought and be like, how can I do this in a way that is sustainable, enjoyable, interesting um, to to me, but also to my listeners who, I mean, you know, if I didn't have them, you know, why would I do the show in, in the first place? So um, yeah, that's just kind of like where I'm at with that. But um, to bring it back to the lesson, it's okay to walk away if something's not serving you. Yeah. And I, I love that. And I, I think as a, na- I, I don't want to like really hang on this, but it's so important. Like I just think as a Navajo person, like so much mm-hmm. um, that I've learned about life and like my values rely on balance and making sure that I'm like healthy. And I, I do appreciate that one thing about having a lot of native listeners out there is I do regularly run into people or have people, um, native people, usually older native people tell me things like, it's okay. Like it's always going to be there for you and you can always go back to it. And, um, like oral histories and stories are also not necessarily meant to be shared in a rushed format. Like I think as a native person, like I think about like indigenous podcasting as well as like a totally different set of values. Sometimes it's like so much of the podcasting world. I watch, you know, I guess from the inside looking out and I'm like, this is very driven by capitalism. This is very driven by profits. This is very driven by like grind culture, work culture. Um, And I think I just really try hard to not think about it like that because I have just this free form. I've had to find my own path because when I started, it was once a week and it just did not feel right to me either. And I think Mm -hmm. I struggled with the same processing and speed and um, it was great. I did it for like what, 45 weeks or something like that. And then I was like, this is not really even in line with my values at a certain point where I'm like, I need to give these space to breathe. I need to share each story with care. I need to, um, you know, make sure that like native people have time to process all of these and that I'm being like kind to myself. So yeah, I think, I think about these things a lot and I'm really glad that we had this part of the conversation and that you, um, mentioned that, but yeah, I appreciate you sharing your perspective on that. And I mean, you know, we've known each other a a while now and, um, talk a lot about this stuff off and, and we're very aligned, like just I think in our, our values and how we approach this um, craft of conversation. Um, and yeah, I, I too am glad that uh, we went deep deeper on this, I think, uh, than anything else that we've talked about so far in this conversation. Yeah. Well, I think maybe we should skip to our couple of our last few here and maybe we can want to each highlight a quick professional like big thing highlight of the year for for us and and just like talk a little bit about it we can make it a little shorter maybe than the other ones i can go first if you want yeah professional highlight of the year mine is easy i don't have a ton of like elaboration because we've talked about it before but definitely um being a part of organizing the land acknowledgement at the new york city marathon was just such a fun way to kind of end my year as well it was in november so just really recently and also kind of a culminating point for the couple of years that I've been in podcasting and in running in general. 
being able to connect with so many uh, native runners in New York and just finally get to put a face to like so many names and people I had met virtually and be a part of something I think bigger than even the marathon in a sense, like getting to really acknowledge um, native community in that area and make native runners feel seen at the marathon and have a real contingency of us together and um, able to meet. It was just a really, really special experience to be on the microphone there and feel like, wow, I couldn't have done this two years ago, but now here I here I am able to to kind of be talking to this crowd and introducing you know the start of Marathon Weekend, and that was that was just a, such a huge highlight for me. So it's easy. <laughs> um, to piggyback off of that, and I said this on I think our our last episode, but I was stoked to be there for it, and I think just working with you and getting to know you as your mentor and, and mm-hmm. seeing <laughs> how you went from you know this this um spot of how do i start a podcast and get it out into the the world and to see that just you know grow <laughs> yeah. over the course of a couple of years to see like, these hey, opportunities Mario, what microphone do i buy <laughs> yeah. and, but then to see these opportunities come your way because of the work um that you've done i know how meaningful and important that was to mm-hmm. you and um i and i i don't say this to to be cheesy but that was like for me my professional highlight of the year to see you in that moment, like in that position where you were making the announcement for the first ever land acknowledgement at the New York City Marathon. I mean, I, I stopped there and I was like, this is really cool. Like this, this is super <laughs> cool. Um, and, and I don't even know if it's professional because like, like I, I you don't pay me to mentor you. I've never been paid to mentor you. Um, you know, so maybe that's professional. I don't know. It's it's professional uh, mentoring or, or something like that. So I, I don't even know if it qualifies. But for me, like for the <laughs> work the that space. I – It's in the space. Like we're friends, yeah, but, but it's in the podcasting space. And I think it feels good to share that moment with someone who's in the same like industry or yeah. community as you um, and that you like have watched yeah. the journey of. So yeah. Yeah. Like thank but, you. That's so nice. <laughs> But yeah, for the work that for the work that I that I do, um, and just for the relationship that we have, um, that was almost full circle is not the right word, but it was like you know kind of one of those moments where I'm like she's she's there, it's happening. Like this is like this is super cool, um, and I just know how much that meant to you, and it was it was just like extra special that I got to be there and share in that experience. So um, I'm gonna leave that right there as my professional highlight of the year. Perfect. Um- it sounds like we are at one of our, let's see, how many do we have left? One or two? I guess we kind of have one concrete question left, but we both obviously want to highlight some of our favorite music of the year. Yes. I know we've done the playlist. We've done some song recs over the various episodes where we've talked about music, but I think it would be only right for us to point out uh, maybe our favorite song. I know you put maybe fa- favorite musical performance of the year. Mm-hmm. So um, why don't you get us started? Cause I'm really curious what yours are since you put that one on here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one will come as no, surprise to you and probably most people who've been listening to this with any regularity but in January Lumineers which are my favorite band of modern times came out with their latest album called Brightside and I love the whole album a song that I really grew to love over the course of the year and I've recently had it on repeat a lot is AM radio and that song is about 
um, the importance of following your life's calling. And they recorded the video for it at their high school in New Jersey. And they talk about how, you know, they spent a lot of time daydreaming there about like making music one day. And then, you know, a little over a decade later, um, you know, they're one of the biggest bands, certainly in, in America, if not, you know, if not the world, I mean, selling out major venues. Um, but they still have not forgotten like where they came from. Uh, and I just, I love that message. I love their music. Um, I just love like Wesley Schultz and Jeremiah Freights just as a, as a duo, um, and everything that, uh, everything that they do. Um, so for me, that's my, my musical highlight of the year, at least one of them. Uh, I mean, that was like, early in the year. And I mean, I'm still like buzzing about it now, 12 months later. So it's had some, it's had some staying power. I mean, the other one would be, um, Red Hot Chili Peppers putting out two albums this right. year as yeah. well, um, which we talked about ad nauseum, uh, on an earlier episode of, of this podcast. So I won't rehash that. Um, but yeah, Lumineers album, Brightside and AM radio specifically as the song that I pulled off of it. Love that. Love that that came out on top at the end of everything. Um, I I feel like it would be hard to not point out the new Taylor Swift album, but because that's more recent, I don't think that's actually my musical highlight of the year. Um, I think my musical highlight of the year is both a song and a performance at the same time, but it's definitely okay. also something we've talked about. Um, but it was definitely seeing Mount Joy at Red Rocks because it was my first Red Rocks experience. Amazing venue. If you know any, anyone out there listening has had a chance to see a concert at Red Rocks, I truly think it's a special experience. And I know, you know, Reed works in the concert industry. And even for him, he was like, mm -hmm. Red Rocks is like, one of my favorite venues of all time. And so um, I feel like it's such a fabulous place to watch music, an old school, like amphitheater style experience. It's just like open seating. It's a very communal vibe <laughs> and you get there early, stake out your seat with a blanket. I just love everything about the experience. And I got to see my, my favorite band, Mount Joy, um, sing Orange Blood and, you know, just be able to sing like one of my favorite songs. I got a tattoo from it this year. So I feel yep. like I couldn't, I couldn't not <laughs> shout it out as probably my favorite musical experience. I got to see them in August and it, it stuck with me as well. And, um, I continue to play that album and be excited about what new music and what future Mount Joy has. Cause I started listening to them when they were really small, when they performed here in Santa Fe at a small show, their merch guy, actually, I was wearing a shirt from like, I, a long time ago that they had put out, I don't even like several years old um, from their merch. And the merch guy was like, Hey, you're an OG fan. <laughs> when I walked up to the merch table and I was like, yes, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, it's been fun one. to there like watch them on their journey too. And um, just watch them grow like as a band and, and get to meet them. And when they did come to Santa Fe, we had like a VIP experience um, that we actually won in a one in like a raffle sweepstakes, which was like super random. And I think that made us feel even more connected because we got to watch them sing some um, shows, sing some songs privately, um, just like acoustic style. So I've just had so many great musical moments with Mount Joy and they're a band that has really brought Reed and I together. And um, I feel like that, yeah, Orange Blood is also like a song. It's like a sweet love song, really. And so, yeah, that was probably my ma favorite musical moment of the year. I love it. I knew it was going to be... Mount Joy, and I figured it would be Orange Blood, 
because you have lyric tattooed on you. Uh, I knew you had gone to, I knew you had gone to the show. Um, so thank you for Taylor fulfilling Swift. my expectations. Honorable mention, Taylor Swift. <laughs> the Midnight's album is still very good. Also a big musical highlight for me, but just couldn't couldn't top number one this year. Love it. All right, last one before we wrap this one up. We will look ahead to 2023. I am going to throw it to you first. What are you most looking forward to next year? Yeah, I think now that I have this very newfound, I think, sense of like organization and um, it's not to be corny, but like since I turned 30, I just feel different. Like it sounds it sounds kind of dumb, I think, when I say it out loud, but it really does feel like that. I really do feel a little bit more in control of phase of life, Danae. I, I feel it. Um, I, I, I like can't drink as much, but <laughs> I feel more organized. I uh, feel a little bit more on top of things. I feel like I'm getting better actually at juggling more again. I think I was so burned out in my late twenties that I really hadn't stopped to consider that even when I started the podcast, I feel mm-hmm. like in many ways I had no business starting the podcast just because I was, I'm glad I did it, but I was just kind of, you know, always in a rush, always, you know, kind of moving to the next thing, doing a million things at once, trying to juggle several different professional commitments. And I think now I'm, I'm actually, I've been pretty good at saying no to things and not getting down on myself around, uh, you know, not having put out a lot of episodes at the second half of this year for the past like six to eight months. And I've given myself a lot of time to think about what podcasting means to me and what I want to do. And I, I don't know when it's going to happen yet, but I do feel like I will return to podcasting more regularly in 2023. And I think it's going to look a little different for me and maybe not even be fully running focus, but more like broadly around sport. And so I'm still kind of like finalizing that and figuring out some other, you know, professional commitments in terms of what I want to do, but I think I'm very excited for um, continuing to grow my voice, like as as a writer, as a podcaster, and hopefully get back to running. Like I think it's really been a, a year of a lot of growth for me, like painful growth. It's been a hard year, <laughs> 2022. Um, had to live out a lot of my own, I think, mistakes, but also just like injuries and tough things very mm-hmm. publicly. Um, once you enter the podcast space, you like you don't leave it. You know, like people people will ask you like where are the episodes you know or what's going on and I think um, I've just become more comfortable with that and like I'm just really excited to to start 2023 and feel like I'm going to have a year that's a little bit more organized a little bit more on Mm -hmm. top of um, my own dreams and my own professional goals Uh, so yeah I'm feeling very like motivated and and ready for the year uh, personally so Oh, I'm excited yeah. for you. It's just a part of your process, uh, and you have to yeah. go through periods <laughs> like this to really see and appreciate what is on the other side. And it's it's just part of growth, you know. And, and I think you're just in a, you know, you're just in a in a phase where growth is right around the corner and and bound to happen. So I'm excited for you to experience that in 2023 and beyond. Yeah, thanks. But what about you? What are you excited for in 2023? Ah, what am I excited about in 2023? There's a a lot. I mean, personally, um, we've got a family trip early in the year to celebrate uh, Christine's dad's 75th birthday. Um, So (laughs) that'll be, yeah, that'll be super fun um, to go and and see him and her sister and um, her sister's boyfriend and just like spend a week together uh, in Mm -hmm. April. Uh, So I'm looking forward to, looking forward to that. Um, 
athletically, I want to just build off the momentum that I, I established this year. I've got some big race goals next year. I'm, I'm excited to race more regularly for the first time in a long time. Um, I guess I can, I guess I can announce it here. I am slated to go to Boston in February and race the master's mile at the new balance indoor grand prix, That's exciting. <laughs> um, which, yeah, I've, I've been looking forward to that race for, for two years and, um, I was invited into the field. So I get to race indoors for the first time in 17 years. And, uh, <laughs> my dad will, my dad will be there. Uh, my family, uh, my old college teammates, my former coach, uh, will be there as well. And I'm just, uh, I'm excited for that more, uh, just like that part of it, uh, as much or more than the actual yeah, like, that's so uh, race, you know, race itself. Uh, these people who've been important parts of, of my journey, um, you know, mm-hmm. still part of my journey and, and get to, you know, watch me run this like super cool event, uh, indoors. And in February, I'm also going to run the Boston marathon 10 weeks later. So I'm going from like mile to marathon in 10 weeks, which, uh, (laughs) I've never done anything quite like that before. I don't know how it's going to go, but, um, I'm excited to, you know, excited to find out. And then, you know, on the professional side of things, um, I've really been putting an increasing amount of just like time, energy, and attention into my coaching, uh, this year. And, and that's only going to continue into next year. And I just love having, I love helping athletes like work toward um, their goals and discovering what's mm-hmm. possible for themselves. So um, as we're starting to like look at 2023 plans for, you know, for a lot of people, I get excited to just, you know, be a part of their journeys um, toward toward where it is that they want to go. So looking forward to that. And then uh, as we talked about earlier with the podcast, like just give myself the space with that and figuring out um, – what place it's going to hold in my life and how I'm going to, how I'm going to approach it. Uh, and I, I do know that it's going to look, uh, different than it has in, in years past, but I think that's okay. Uh, and I don't know what that, what that's going to be at this point, but, um, (laughs) I'm curious and excited to, to find out. So I, I guess the underlying theme there is I'm just going into 2023 with a lot of like curiosity and excitement about a lot of things. And, um, and that makes me, you know, that makes me happy because I've had years where I've gone in with like a lot of dread and uncertainty and that's never <laughs> fun. Uh, that's never fun either. So it's it's good to be on the other side of it. Yeah, that's great. I think I'm going into it with like a long to-do list, but it's not dreadful. Yeah. So <laughs> I, feel, I feel okay about it. <laughs> I feel like I needed time to I, check those boxes. Yeah, I was like, this past year was like a free form kind of just like tornado. And I feel like next year I have a lot more direction. So I'm excited yeah. for it. I'm excited for you and racing. That sounds so fun. Um, and I am happy that we were able to do this for all of 2022. Like it's funny to we be We started in, in February. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we hit it every month. So you know what? Let's pat ourselves on the back for yeah, that. I mean, I we're super like consistent with that. it. Um, I get really excited to record these episodes with you because we just get to to catch up at length, even though we're in touch in between. Um, and it's something I've looked forward to every month. I look forward to continuing it in um, in 2023. Uh, I have I have no plans to stop doing this. It, this is very, uh, and I don't mean this in a bad way at all. Very different from like a long form. Conversation oh, totally. that I yeah. that I prep for. It's definitely as no, most this people keeps can tell me us. In the game. Is, like, <laughs> yeah, this is unscripted, uh, and we just get to talk and catch up with one another. And um, you know, we've gotten a lot of great feedback from our listeners who enjoy uh, hearing us just you know sit here and shoot the shit and catch up with one another <laughs> about all manner of things. So, um, thank you to everyone listening to this. We have appreciated your support 
over the past year. We look forward um, to putting out more episodes for you in 2023. And on behalf of Danae Dorby, I'm Mario Fraley, and this has been the 11th and final episode of Common Ground <laughs> for 2022. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this installment of Common Ground. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen in. Before we wrap up, I'd like to give a shout out, as always, to my man, John Summerford. He's produced every episode of the podcast and is the reason this show sounds as good as it does week in and week out. Also, thank you to Chris Douglas for being my right-hand man and handling sponsorship sales, and Jeffrey Stern for managing the AM Shakeout social media accounts. I don't have a big team here at The Morning Shakeout, but these three guys have been crucial in helping keep things running smoothly here. Last thing, if you're digging the podcast, I encourage you to sign up for my newsletter. It's also called The Morning Shakeout at themorningshakeout.com slash subscribe. And you'll get my weekly take on what's happening in the world of running, along with a collection of things that I've been thinking about reading and listening to that you might enjoy getting in your inbox every Tuesday morning. Okay, that's all I've got. I'm Mario Fraioli, and on behalf of Danae Dormy, this has been another episode of Common Ground.